Welcome back to DMnastics, the gym for dungeon masters to work out their minds. I'm one of your hosts, DM Neil, aka Joke Maniac, and I have an amazing co-host today, because remember, they're going to probably do as much as I do, and I will let them introduce themselves. Hello, I am John Arcadian of Gnome Stew and various other things, and I am very happy to be here today and to talk about some phenomenally scary things. Yes. Oh, so good. Yes, and I have been personally scared by this thing, by you, as our listeners probably already know. And I'll probably be scared <laughs> by it again in the future. So, hey, Con is coming up if you're going to be there. Yeah, that's, yes, we have plans, I think. Ooh, we're going to work on okay. plans. So, we're going to tie back to episode number 116, Raw Real Monster 7, The Tarasque, which, of course, featured you, John Arcadian, where we talked all about how to make the Tarasque more scary, because in 5th edition Raw... It's not as scary as it could be or was in previous editions. So I kind of put that idea back onto our forum users with DMnastics number 97 to ask me no questions because I like coming up with cheesy titles. Puns are the best. And that one was pretty straightforward in that I asked about rumors in the world of Dayim Bay and how the Tarask is viewed by those people. And I asked what are cool things you could do to make it more scary than the rules as written from 5th edition. And the last thing was how to spring it on your players. So we're going to just jump right into showcasing a couple of forum posts that we liked. And I'll let you go first. Awesome. So yeah, the the forum ones on this were awesome. There were so many very interesting ones and, and ones that, you know, kind of ran the you know, gamut of, you know, things we wrote about in Book of the Trask, where, like, yeah, the Trask, like you said, is not nearly as scary as it was in previous editions. So you add back regeneration, it's a touch scarier. You add back, you know, a breath weapon or something to give it that range threat, you know, radius, and it becomes a bit scarier. But the one that I really liked as I was reading over it was from Blake Ryan, and it was his rumor mill one about the Trask as a child of Bilma the Dreamgiver. The Trask was used to clear away the dreamscape, the imaginary universes that dreams create in the astral world while the former dreamer is back in conscious reality. However, the foul one, Nam, released the Trask from his servitude, unleashing it upon the world. And that is brilliant to me. Like, that that could tie in so incredibly well with, you know, why is the Trask only seen every 30 years or 50 years? Because he's slipping into and out of the kind of, like, astral dream plane and, you know, doing what he's supposed to be doing. But then something happens and he, like, walks out into the real world and doesn't notice the difference. Yeah, and I really, you know, of course... It's going to hearken to tying back to previous DMnastics, and that always gets me. But I also like the idea that the Tarask is this deity chess piece. You mean, mm-hmm. this, your, your adventurers and the people in the world don't understand it because it's happening at this much higher level where you mean, Bilma and Nam are essentially fighting over this resource and pushing it back and forth between the astral and material plane. And it makes it something beyond the player's scope. Like, yes, you can kill the Trask, but you can never really kill the Trask. You're just defeating it in the short term. And I like those kind of challenges because they do they do point to how, you know, yes, your your heroes are heroes in the world, but that doesn't mean you're like charting the course of civilizations. That doesn't mean you're going up to the gods and telling the gods, you know, no, unless of course you are. And even then you're still only <laughs> one of their chess pieces. You know, you you only have minimal effect on that level. Yeah, I like that one. Oh. But yeah, no, I, I, I love that idea because uh, one of the things that that does is um, 
it opens up for a, a lot of really cool plot ways you could bring the Tarask in. Like, you know, so you guys all settle down by the campfire. And you have this dream of a strange alien world where, and then the Tarask shows up and your dream ends. And it's it's almost this hearkening like, fate is aligning to pull you and the Tarask together and it's about to pop into the real world. And because because it is linked to you in the dream world, because maybe you just by chance, like in, in the HP Lovecraft dream cycle stuff, maybe you just by chance came across it. And so now it's following you through your dream worlds because it, it, it didn't get to eat you and it felt like it should. So when it pops through into the real world, it's coming right for you because oh, so you're what it's chasing. Yeah. So there's a ton of good rumors. But the other thing that um, we had been chatting about was other really fun additional things. So I know that when you did it, you gave the Tarask a more magical kind of breath weapon. But we're mm-hmm. going to showcase a grosser version that we both <laughs> liked, and that is from Edwin Sue, and it is vomit. Essentially, the Tarask will eat someone and then vomit them out as a ranged attack, which I think is so amazing. Both I doing bludgeoning and acid damage if they can hit. So, oh. Because I mean, because you have so many people that you know, a common tactic is to go inside, but then it, you know, the Tarask almost getting used to that and being yeah. able to like immediately regurgitate and use that against the the other players, right? And then you have where the Tarask, you know, it, it's all it's an awesome multi attack sort of option where like you know he eats oh I don't know say a dwarven cleric and gets him you know mm-hmm. sucked up into his you know stomach and then goes and points at the annoying archer on the other side of the field and out comes a dwarf a dwarfile you know dwarf missile just yes. flying through the air bashes into him and then acid is eating at both of them you know and if you want to make it really nasty yeah, you're, you've got acid inside you, but like a continuous acid effect. Like if you don't get out of the clothes you're wearing, like get people to just ditch their armor. Mm-hmm. You know, that would be nasty. But like, yeah, no, uh, it, it's it's eating away. You have to get naked now or, you know, good luck. So hope, hopefully you have other armor. <laughs> yeah, that makes me think of burning sulfur, you know, because once it's like on your skin, you the if it's on your clothes, you definitely need to immediately remove the clothes so that it doesn't then attach to your skin and have the same issue. I really like that. Right. Which that also kind of leads into another one that I'll showcase real quick from DM Zool, where it has corrosive blood as well. Essentially mm. making every aspect of the Tarask bad and damaging. Yes. Is the best way to go. I mean, worse, because it is bad. <laughs> So yeah, they were saying that essentially if you land with a piercing or slashing attack, essentially in that five foot area, then there will be corrosive blood that you now have to deal with. Yeah. Um, the the only thing uh, he talks about, you know, and that weapon, if non-magical is destroyed, the non-magical weapon wouldn't even be able to cut through the Trask skin or do any damage. <laughs> but, you know, it could like maybe your backup weapon sort of thing, it falls on that. But yeah, like the magical weapon, maybe you start giving weapons a durability rating, like, uh, you know, not not to steal from anything I've been playing, like Breath of the Wild. Oh, no. Um, but- <laughs> but, you know, like, oh, now this weapon has a durability rating. And if it, it takes three hits of Tarask blood, oh, it. It, it needs to be reworked or, or maintained or something. So now all of a sudden you're, you've, you've got it to the point where like, yep, you are just gonna, gonna be hurting because you are losing your weapons and your armor. We're just disarming everybody. 
It's Man, next time you guys face a Trask, oh. you're going to hate me. This is going to be the worst. So, I mean, I can't help but, I mean, like we had mentioned, there's so many good ideas on here. So I can't help but kind of showcase them more than we normally do just because of how good they are. The other one that really stood out to me was from DM Caleb that we mentioned essentially like once a yeah, and you can never truly kill the Tarrasque, and essentially once it's dead, it goes to a different area and starts adapting to what happened. So the Tarrasque gets to make a charisma saving throw at disadvantage to avoid death by the wish spell. Oh, yeah. That's one of those things where especially if uh, you bring it up and the player's like, oh, they've researched everything they know about the Tarrasque, which is what's written in the PH in the monster manual, mm-hmm. you know? Cool. I make a wish spell. Gets a charisma saving throw. Why? Because of reasons you're starting to learn now, you know, second wish mm-hmm. to find out why this actually is not able to. Oh, okay. You know, now you've burned the second wish from the luck blade or burned the second wish that you have in your ring of three wishes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Anything like that, that just turns the, the players on their heads at that epic moment. Yeah. Like, okay, we've got it. And then you do it. No, we don't have it. We don't have it. Oh no. Oh gosh. Because any player who is fighting the Trask, if they didn't just wake up and surprise the Trask is outside your bedroom window, you know, any player there has probably researched, you know, the, the players have researched, the characters have researched, they probably feel they know how this is going to go. So you just you just flip that paradigm and it suddenly becomes a whole different ballgame. It's the best. So, I mean, not that we haven't already, but just so that I can put that sweet, sweet bumper, we're going to start lifting the mental weights right now. Lifting weights is what I do. Look at me. Lift these weights. So, I mean, you've got an entire book on the subject. So we can just keep tossing out ideas both through the rumor mill, crazy stuff to add, and then, of course, how to spring it on your players. So I don't know if there's one of those three that you want to tackle more so than the other, but I'm game for any of them. Mm. I like the rumor mill. Yeah, the the rumor mill, so many things get added to the Tarrasque based on the plot, based on the story around the Tarrasque. So, so many things make it more meaningful of a combat because of why you're fighting it. And I think that's hard. It's almost hard to get something out because there's so much in there that could be involving the Tarrasque. And I would almost want to plant seeds that are untrue. I mean, that's just <laughs> kind of who I am, especially if the party is like specifically building and trying to find out how to stop the Tarrasque. Well, and you know, every culture, you, you have something around like the Tarrasque, especially something that only comes around like say every 50 or 70 years or a hundred years, you know, and pe- people learn something and then they play telephone down the generations, mm-hmm. you know, oh, you know, the Tarrasque cannot be damaged by fire, but our valiant archers with flaming bows tried to turn it away becomes the Tarrasque can only be damaged by fire, you know? Mm, yep. And then that's that's out there in the rumor mill, and that's what you hear as you're going along. Uh, you know, maybe on the quest you're, you're th- of three levels is to go gather all the information from all the places the Tarrasque raised 70 years ago. Well, yeah, especially if you think about the what is likely the limited number of surviving people that get to play the telephone game when the Tarrasque is involved. I really like that idea of like having to work back through generations and then you're seeking out longer lived races, hoping that they have better information and going kind of down this informational path. And I think this is one thing that we talked about in the episode that with the Tarrasque being so epic, getting more involvement at lower levels to then eventually face the Tarrasque can be a lot of fun. So it's not just 
Uh, yeah, we're level 20 and to rask. Yeah. If if you know the purpose, if you know this is going to be kind of an end point, you've always got that there. And how do we get worthy enough to do this? You know, the prophecy says that you will be the ones to face the Tarask, but it doesn't say if you succeed or not. But if you fail, the prophecy <laughs> says the world goes into a thousand years of darkness. So, you know, now you've got motivation to succeed. Yeah. Especially if it's like this kind of known quantity in a way, is another, I think, fun rumor thing that you could have where it's clockwork. It's just every 50 years on this day, it's going to happen, but you don't know where or something along those lines. You still want that piece of mystery, but then having it where it's like, it's going to happen. We just have to be ready to move and try and unhappen as much as possible. Yeah, and and something you just said about um, you know, finding a race that's long lived enough. What 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 strikes me is kind of awesome. Like so, yeah. So the trash comes around fifty years previous, and all the fighting capable people in the the city send all the non fighting capable people. You know, all the men and women and children who are like, you will be massacred. Just go away from the city. So they go out. You know, twenty miles away, and only some of them come back. And they're like, no, no, we, we saw the city get destroyed. So now you've got this little tiny village of all the children out there. You know, you've got the people oh, who yeah. like, you know, so, so you know, the, the one generation, you know, kind of fades out after 20 years. And then all those children become the elders for the next generation. And they know it's coming back. So they're trying to train their children. And maybe they have like the five weapons made from Tarask bones, like a Tarask spike fell off. Mm. You know, so like they forge that into the sword that, you know, the sword of 50 years that will be there and ready. And they give that to you. And because you have reached age and it's time for you to go hunt down the Tarask to prevent it from happening again. Then you've got this cool legacy thing. And that maybe that other city is like, no, we, we don't believe in this. We were destroyed by an earthquake because they just, you know, like other people moved in, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah, well, so then a lot of these ideas, because of my personal attachment to first owning the amazing book the of the Tarasque that you wrote, <laughs> and also being the project manager for J.M. Perkins' Salt and Wounds, which all revolves around the, the Tarasque, the main thing that I think is that you sparked in me with saying building these weapons is using, yeah, leftover pieces of the Tarasque to make things is really, really fun. And if you had just like a tendon... And then that is what is used to create a bow for an yeah. archer or small pieces for arrowheads or and so on and so forth. I think it's a really, really fun idea for your players. I am so looking forward to Salt and Wounds uh, because, you know, when that, you know, makes it there, because there's so many things like that. Like you said, a tendon. It's like, hey, we're, we're constantly cutting these pieces off. Enjoy your unbreakable bowstrings, mm-hmm. you know, like, here you go. These will never break on you. It's like, oh, that's actually just a minor fun thing, but it exists in this economy. Yeah. Now, granted, it's probably going to permanently change your hand through mutation, <laughs> but never you mind. It's it's never going to break. That's the key here. Don't you worry. But, but then you get a really cool tie into like, yeah, my character is one of the uh, the red hands, you know, because the hand keeps turning red because they use these special bows. Everything else is fine, but, mm-hmm. but your hand is just stained red permanently. Oh. And it's almost like a badge of honor at that point. So good. Mm-hmm. Like every time you touch it, you take a you know point of damage, or once per round, or once per combat, you take a point of damage for using this. 
but then maybe it gives you a plus, you know, two damage to the the you know things uh, to the arrows fired from the bow. Mm, I like it. So one of the other things is like how to spring it on your players, and you know, one of the things that we've mentioned, and I think it was an older edition kind of thing, is once you're high enough level, then that's kind of the only thing that you're left to face that would give you some challenge. I think a really cool idea playing off of finally found a hobby uh, on our forums is plane hopping. And essentially, you know, you're trying to travel from, you know, and let's even say the material to the astral or the plane of fire or something like that. And something happens and you get bumped out. And now you're there in the land of the Tarasque and having to fight it to get your way back to where you need to go. Like, uh, like once upon a time, there was a mage who just said, hey, I'm going to make this trap in this dungeon take you to wherever the Tarask is. And the only way out of this pocket dimension where I've trapped him is the portal on his back. <laughs> oh, it's so good. <laughs> and it only and it only opens up once he's dead. So. Right. Yeah. Because then it's like, well, what do we do? Like, oh, well, we've, we've maybe got this savage world, lost world sort of place where you can be like, well, we have to retreat for five levels and go venture through here. And then you get that Samurai Jack sort of feeling like, oh, I have to get back and fix things, mm -hmm. but I have to do everything here first to be able to do that. I want to run that on some players at some point. That would be fun. It kind of made me think of the South Park episode with it where they're doing world of warcraft okay we know the tarask is out there but we're gonna need to hide in the forest and kill as many boars as possible so that we can level up <laughs> yeah uh except because it's you know everything here is adapted to the tarask it's you know as many seven foot tall boars with spikes on it who run five times as fast so they can escape oh man yes yeah, <laughs> would be yeah really interesting and cool departure i mean and that's the other thing i mean peppering this in at other places you know if you're thinking probably like that five to ten level range where now they're just in this crazy lost world and then you know, let's say they get back in like 15 or something and now they're back into the real world if you will after being in this crazy tarasque filled land Oof. yeah any other ideas you can think of to toss out there okay you know, like, so one of my favorite things about the Tarasque, about running a Tarasque game, is watching the players freak out a bit about how they're going to deal with it. So as, as I've started to do in my my current game, I, I've started to introduce the um, Runaway Rabbit token, which is a little token that looks like the rabbit from Monty Python, mm -hmm. that I give them at the start of every turn and say, you turn this in. We'll do sex machina your way out of this. And the Tarask is perfect for that, especially like you said, you know, incorporating it before players are really ready to take it on. You can do the, hey, you're level seven right now. It rampages through your town, but you have this do sex machina token to be like, you know what? We just realized we can't do this. It already took down three of us. We're going to turn in that token and and grab the bodies of our, our departed and get them out of here, you know, okay, get, get them healed up, get them resurrected, move past it. And now you've got that personal connection to it. Plus that, how do we deal with this, you know, look and feeling from the players? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, but, but that's a great way to introduce it in maybe even like an old school game or a very, you know, non-high level magic, high fantasy sort of game where it's just like, yeah, this is the thing that will destroy the kingdom if you don't get out there and deal with it. But you've already faced it once, so you're and you've survived. 
obviously you're the people to go with the king's blessing, with the queen's blessing to go deal with it. Yeah. And I really like that piece that also kind of goes back to you know, in that village that is trying to raise up the people that fight the Tarasque. I really like having that kind of responsibility, that destiny and seeing what my players would want to do with that. And, you know, just like this, like, this is what you need to do. This is what the whole world thinks you need to do. Are you going to do it? Right. You decide somewhere along the way that like, no, I'm, I'm going to go do something else. You know, I, I've like, you, you kind of, because you studied and looked at the trash, you're like, this is part of the natural order. Like this is, you know, you know, we're going to start planes hopping to find what other people have done with their Tarasks, you know, or, or go to like high level wizards. And we find this civilization where everybody is at war with each other all the time because there is no Tarask there, you know, mm. like calling, calling the flock. And, and you know, because a, a Tarask would probably prevent some technological advancement in the world if it was really active, but nobody develops nuclear bombs, you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe they develop them to fight the Tarask, but they're like, why would we do that against other people? They're facing the same thing as we are. Like, you know, yeah, maybe you're living under terror from a common enemy, but you're living in peace under terror from a con- common enemy. So maybe that turns one of those players' heads to be like, no, no, it, we shouldn't be trying to kill the Tarask. We should just turn it away where we can. You know, this is natural. Mm-hmm. Yeah, essentially make it do the least amount of damage, but all working together to accomplish that task. I like it. And of course, then you have, oh, the wonderful Godzilla sort of moments where you have Mothra and the, and the oh. ceremonies to call the Tarask. And maybe we just like, let's let's put it back to sleep. Thank you, you know. And then some, you know, elder god comes up and gets its butt kicked by the Tarask. You know, like, see, good thing we kept him around. Good thing we appeased him with the ceremony. Mm-hmm. Our best buddy, the Tarask. <laughs> That's awesome. Mecha Tarask. Oh, no. So I have an even more important question, and that is, where can people go to find you on the internet and all the cool things that you do? Uh, well, uh, of course, you know, Gnome Stew is where I do most of my things. Uh, Encoded Designs is where I, I work on other things and, and put stuff through, and that's where the Book of the Trash came out. Pretty much, you know, because I, I am blessed with a unique name, John Arcadian, if you look me up, you will find me on most places. If, if it's John Arcadian, there is a 99.5% chance that it is me. Yep. And if that person is wearing a kilt, it's 999 <laughs> <laughs> That is true. Although I did actually have Utilikilts hand-delivered me a kilt this year at Gen Con. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, it, it was a first. I'm like, wow, I think I've been doing kilt, uh, kilt evangelism a little too hardcore. <laughs> it's, it's all paying off. All those kilt royalties are finally <laughs> kicking in. <laughs> ah. Perfect. And if you want to get a hold of us and tell us how you have used the Tarask or other cool things you've added to it, you can email us at dmnastics at gmail.com or head over to Twitter and follow us at dmnastics. And for everything else on our network, you can head over to blockpartypodcastnetwork.com, which is actually getting a revamp. Ooh, it's going to look cool. And... Above that, though, I want to implore you, the listener, to join the forum and take part in all of these exercises and all the other amazing conversations being had. To do that, head over to dungeonmasterblock.freeforums.net and try some DMnastics so your players don't ask, do you even lift? Oh, I could barely lift my right arm because I did so many. I don't know if you heard me counting. I did over a thousand. Just watch out for the guns. They'll get you. (laughs) 